are about to enter another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. A journey into a wondrous land of imagination. Next stop, the Twilight Zone. Welcome to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast, where we talk about movies of the past and present. We are your hosts. I am Richard, and with me are Will. Hello. And Jolian. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, indeed. We are um, coming right off of our Joe Bob interview episode, which was kind of a nice in-betweener, and we enjoyed our holidays. Now we're back. And it is a new year, and we're going to be talking about New Year's Evil, a 1980 movie. You could call it a movie, right? Yeah, I was just going to say that's charitable. <laughs> well, our listeners can't see the air quotes, so there's that. No. <laughs> but uh, there's definitely air quotes that go with that. Uh, real quick, Will is uh, writing and illustrating a graphic novel about the Black Dahlia with more historical accuracy than you've ever seen before on this subject. Jolian is also an illustrator and comic artist who you may know from his many magazine covers, DVD art, and his Lego Ninja Go comic book series. I am an illustrator and screen printer who sometimes paints and sculpts. You can find my work at ScreenMonsters.com. There is a spoiler warning we should do here. We may reveal... I don't know, maybe we won't reveal with Twilight Zone, because it's old. It's maybe so old that people won't have seen it. Mm. Should we spoil it or not? Yeah, spoil it. Okay, we're I mean, gonna sp- they're like 50 years old. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen it at this point. Just go back, watch them. They're on Netflix. You know... Come back Besides, I was spoiled for Psycho, and it was still a good movie. Good point. Okay. So the spoiler warning is that we will reveal important plot points and or conclusions of the movies, and in this case, TV episodes that we talk about. So there, you've been warned. We are not film critics. That's another thing you should know. Having said that, um, thank you, as always, to the Moonrays for their intro creature features at the top of the show. Um, I don't know if we're going to thank Shadow or uh, Made in Japan if we do play any clips. Uh, we're just going to acknowledge that that's who the clips are if we do play them. Were those even real bands? I don't think so. Didn't feel like it. We should watch the credits. I wrote their names down from the end credits so we could see if they're on Facebook. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Oh, they're uh, probably still on MySpace. They are, I'm sure. If they're out they're there at Friendster. all. They're Yeah. <laughs> Um, An old BBS board. Before we jump right in, what have you watched since last time, Will? Well, for New Year's, I watched Robot Monster. Oh, hell yeah. Because, I don't know, I was feeling sick or something. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's the best way to watch it. (laughs) Uh, Let's see what else. I watched the end of Fargo Season 2, and I've been watching Jessica Jones, which is better than i would have thought i think that's what i said last time i was pleasantly surprised how they handled it yeah it's fun to watch yeah i haven't finished but soon 
Yeah, I won't. I won't spoil anything for you because it's it's that, all a it's dream. That. I know. <laughs> okay, you guessed it. I'm already spoiled. It's like I know the latest Star Wars is all a dream. Everything's all just a dream, isn't it? Jolene, what about you? What have you watched? Oh, yeah, I, I did go and see the new uh, Star Wars. How'd you like it? Uh, yeah, I enjoyed Wait, it. Wait, there's a new Star Wars? Yeah. Oh. Well, it's kind of. It, it's kind of the greatest hits of the old Star Wars. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Oh, so it's like um, Stars on 45? <laughs> 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 or one of those fake groups that used to make the KTEL albums? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's cheaper to re-record them with a bad fake band. They did that a lot with... Uh old bands oh yeah like the eagles and stuff so then like they that. wouldn't have to pay them for a single right you know, they they were still doing it i think that band smash mouth <laughs> <laughs> i heard a terrible sad story that they weren't even on the actual song that everybody heard on the radio really they wrote and recorded that song but then the studio brought somebody in a fake band basically <laughs> to re-record it and re-sing it Wow. Yeah. He's I don't know how true any of that is. I may have made it all up. Don't <laughs> don't take any of these as facts. Right. He's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> that actually was not a quote from John Lennon. That was a, something a comedian said about Ringo. So it was not a disparaging remark from another Beatle. Uh, uh-huh. So what else, Julian? Uh, well, I read the latest issue of Monster, which has my zombie cover, and uh, there was an article by uh, Dawn Dibalatic, uh where she talks about the giant claw and Q, hmm. and uh, so I watched both of those as a double bill, and it's very entertaining. Nice. So thanks to her for that. Uh, yeah, giant flying creature attacks New York. Yeah. Double bill. They're good. Doesn't happen often enough. <laughs> very fun. The claw is so goofy looking. <laughs> yeah do you know the story of that uh no i so they have like a decent cast and director and everything mm-hmm. and they film all the like the first unit bits and then they farm the special effects off to the studio in mexico oh so the first time that the cast sees the final film is that premiere in the oh no <laughs> <the> hometown it's <laughs> just uh, i'll call it lovable um creature turns up on screen and <laughs> people are just like in hysterics apparently and and the oh. uh, the lead actor just like snuck out um just snuck out the theater wow <laughs> it'll happen um, sounds good i saw the tall man i'm trying to see uh more new horror movies to see if there's any more good ones mining the present more than we've been doing uh so the Tall Man has Jessica Beale in it, so I, I watched the whole thing. All right. Um, and it's got William B. Davis, who is the smoking man in the X-Files. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, this <laughs> sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's uh, from the guy who, um, Pascal Langier, who directed Martyrs. Did you see the one? No. It's like one of those extreme horror French horror movies. Never even heard of it. Okay. Uh, it's got this twist in it towards the end, oh. and you just—I wanted to throw a brick at the screen. Oh man! So, mm. Some people really love it, but yeah. One of those where the killer is the victim. No, no, it—it it goes into this. It's, I think it's kind of—it um, goes for this kind of Cronenbergian idea of um, 
extreme pain bringing visions mm-hmm. um yeah uh, i don't want to spoil it if you haven't seen it but oh yeah i i despise despise that twist <laughs> um i saw dolls uh directed by Stuart gordon which is quite fun yeah i've wanted seen to that see one. that one yeah i don't think i have i heard about it last year saw something on it last year right yeah, because because uh, uh, Stephen Bissett heard we were going to see the uh, Krampus, and he mm. said, "Oh, that make a good double bit with dolls," which that's, yeah. I hadn't seen at that point, so checked it out. And that, that's got a good. I love the uh, the couple who are playing it, like the puppet maker and his wife in yeah. his house. They're, they're really fun. And saw the Bible directed by John Huston. Wow, how was that? Oh, it is. I enjoyed it. It's pretty spectacular. And I heard the book was better. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, this is pre-CG, so, uh, you know, if they're going to do the story of Noah, they have to build an ark and stick all the animals in it. Oh, man. Um, yeah, it was pretty well done. Hmm. Um, When's that from? 66. Oh, okay. And uh, checked out another new one, uh, We Are Still Here. Starring Barbara Crampton from the Reanimator. How was that? Um, I wasn't keen on it. It it gets really high reviews if you check out like Rotten Tomatoes and so on. I've heard a lot of the other horror podcasts say that they really liked it. Okay. Um, but some of them liked some things that I didn't. So there's yeah. no accounting for taste. Who cares? Uh, it's got a nice location. It's like shot up in New York, I think, in winter. So it's a nice, like, wintry location if you like that sort of thing. And uh, um, I, I thought it was like all homage and not, not much to say. Mm. Kind of haunted house movie. Yeah, and then uh, sort of a bunch of other things which weren't horror movies. But now, did you? Um, of course, you kept up with your tradition of watching something excellent on New Year's yes. Day. What did you watch? Uh, we saw the Tale of the Princess Kaguya, which is an anime from 2013. Oh. From Studio Ghibli. I don't think I know that one. Is, uh, it's it's not a Miyazaki movie? No, it, it, this one's from Isao Takahata, who's one of the other founders. Okay. And um, it it's all looks as if it's uh, they kept it as pencil drawings. It's got a really soft look to it. And it kind of looks like uh, on the uh, medieval scroll drawings. Oh, cool. Oh, but it's, it, it's an old like folklore story, but... Hmm. Yeah, it's a you know, really, really pretty movie. You know, in in stealing your great idea of watching something excellent on New Year's Day, I watched um, The Thing. <laughs> I was making breakfast while it was on, but, you know, that, that means I didn't give it my undivided attention. But I still had it on and, you know, put eyes on it quite Does a bit. Does that count? It doesn't really. And because it doesn't really, I also watched Apocalypse Now. <laughs> So there you have it. <laughs> I think that's why I watched Robot Monster, now that I think about it. Because you had to cook breakfast? No, because I wanted to see something excellent for <laughs> for New Year's. Yeah. Okay. And then you, you, you figured, well, I'll start by watching the opposite of excellent, and then it just didn't. It's such a weird movie. It really is. It. I have pages of notes on that one because I thought, oh, we'll do that at some point in time, mm-hmm. and I wanted to watch it. Yeah. So I'm I'm ready anytime with okay. Robot Monster. Let's it's strangely it. Stephen Bissett who Jolien's mentioned uh mentioned he had a post that he watched uh Robot Monster 2 okay. on New Year's. 
<laughs> it was wow. just odd. I just strange coincidence. All right. It goes well with champagne. Yeah. Um, the other things I watched, um, let's see. Um, it's called Making a Murderer. It was a, oh, yeah, it was a Netflix original documentary series. Um, it, it's kind of like that uh, Paradise Lost, the one that's about the West Memphis Three. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where it sure looks like the, the main characters are being railroaded. And uh, you can't help but think so due to the lack of evidence and whatnot. Um, that doesn't really spoil anything. Uh, so I'll stop right there and just say it's it's worth watching. So, um, you know, our justice system uh, has got some weak places and some bad people in it. Is that the one where the twist is that he really did do it? I'm kidding. I'm not answering that. (laughs) So for today, um, tonight, whenever you're listening to this, for this episode, we're going to be talking about um, New Year's Evil. And because Sci-Fi Channel and some other places and people kind of enjoy the Twilight Zone series as a New Year thing, um, we're going to Why is that? I don't know. I was trying to figure that out. What does the Twilight Zone have to do with New Year? Mm. Not a damn thing, as is far it as the I can crossover tell. Crossover between last year and this year, you're in the Twilight Zone. What do donuts have to do with work? Right? You show up to work They're and tasty. Okay. They go well with coffee. <laughs> exactly. There's already They're coffee at work. Cheap. If they make everybody happy and not question why they're working at that place, no, yeah. I think that's the idea. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Um, now I want a donut. I know. We should pause here and go get some donuts. Mm-hmm. We have voodoo donuts. We do. Yeah. They're pretty good. We're going to be talking about voodoo pretty soon. So we're going to be talking about four episodes of The Twilight Zone in varying degrees of detail. And um, those will include The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street from 1960, Nick of Time, also from 1960, Nightmare at 20,000 Feet from 1963, and Living Doll, also from 1963. Um, so we'll jump into um, the feature, the actual feature-length movie, in finger quotes, New Year's Evil. Um, should we just talk about that Is first? That first? Yeah. Should we get that out of the way? Yeah. I watched that this morning. I can't remember a thing about it already. Well, that's cool, because I got a few notes here about it. It was terrible. Well, okay. I, I should apologize, because when you said we were going to do a New Year's theme i blurted that out because it's the one that popped into my head <laughs> that's all right okay well that being said maybe we won't have to take more than 15 or 20 minutes I'm, on it it's not my favorite new year's related horror movie but you mentioned other ones and i would have really and i we couldn't remember the night at the wax museum or whatever. oh yeah mystery of the wax museum mystery that's a good one so one year from right now, we're going to be talking about Mystery of the Wax we're Museum. We're going to watch Night at the Museum. By Night accident. Night at the Museum 2. <laughs> and then Waxworks. Instead of Twilight Zone, I watch Twilight. Damn it! They sparkle, they have fluffy hair. Well, and and, uh, and The Shining ends up with the photo of New Year's. Yes, 1921, right? Yeah. No, it's a 4th of July ball. Is it? Yep. Oh. Guaranteed. Yeah, it is. Um, it looks like a New Year's party. And okay. I think that the photo that they... Yeah, I think the original photo is... I think it's a New, New Year's. Year's party. It doesn't make any sense for the um, for the overlook because there's a palm tree in the background. It does look like a New Year's Eve party. I 
Yeah. Okay. All That's, right. Forget that then. Well, it's okay. We, we're going to talk about The Shining in great detail one day, I'm sure. Because <laughs> we got to have Stan on, you know. Cause, yeah. Because he, Stanley Kubrick. Um, yeah. The ghost of Stanley Kubrick. We're going to channel, <laughs> channel him. Yeah. Stan Yan could channel him for us. Is he a big, big on The Shining? He yeah, is huge he on The Shining. Yeah, Stan Yan's a local illustrator. Yeah, he's a caricature artist who is... Pioneered the zombie caricature. Or zombie couture, as he calls it. Yes. Um, did you notice in my episode description when I put Santa Jaws, I put the little trademark symbol next to it? No. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so don't anybody try and steal our idea. Okay? Santa Jaws. Santa Jaws is coming. They're gonna, Sci-Fi Channel is going to... You know, the next Sharknado film is going to be Santa At Jaws. Christmas. Santa Jaws versus Sharknado. All right, so let's get right into talking about New Year's Evil. Are we now, still talking about that movie? Uh, I thought we'd done that. It was over. Are we not Didn't done? We, did, I think we're done. <laughs> okay, let's start by saying it's a 1980 movie, quote unquote, uh, directed by Emmett Alston. This was his second directorial effort in 1980. Didn't show at all. Beginning a 10-year reign of terror that included <clears throat> Three-Way Weekend, Nine Deaths of the Ninja, Tiger Shark, Demon Warp, and a bunch of other crap. Force of the Ninja. Force of the Ninja. Three Little Ninjas and the Lost Treasure. He had a thing about ninjas, didn't he? <laughs> well, they were big in the 80s. They were big in the 80s. Yeah, it's like they were just invented, like the way people act about cupcakes and bacon now. Like the American Ninja movies coming out where they're all dressed in like extremely bright colors. Yeah, because that works for sneaking around. Have a crimson outfit with gold trim. Um, now, this, the brief description for this is New Year's Eve is on its way and TV's most famous punk rock lady icon, Diane Sullivan, a.k.a. Blaze, is holding a late hour countdown celebration of music and partying. All is going well until Diane receives a phone call from an odd sounding stranger announcing that on live television... When New Year's Eve strikes in each time zone, I don't know if he said a naughty girl will be murdered. This is the description from IMDb. Uh, and the killer leaves a threat saying that she will be the one to die last. The studio crew takes precautions and heightened security, but on the other side of America, I don't know if that's true. A hospital nurse is found brutally butchered. No, I think it's in her same town. A, yeah, this is a bad description. Yeah, he was right there. I mean, how is he going to get? Is he going to do this on a jet? I thought it was New York at the beginning, and then at some point, it became clear they were in L.A. So was it the sleeveless shirts while they were cruising around in a convertible? <laughs> I think it was the building. That could be it. So uh, let's see: a crazed fan, a religious psychotic, or perhaps someone much closer to Diane uh, than the police or audience could have ever expected. Now, that's the IMDb description, which doesn't really spoil it, and it also really doesn't explain much. Um, so this thing opens with, like, that real ninja movie-sounding synth music, mm. and uh, somebody close to her, who is, I think, an assistant, this Yvonne, gets stalked and killed in a hotel room. All right, so, they, did you feel like you were watching Hitchcock when she got murdered in the shower? Oh, definitely. I was like, wait, are we watching Psycho? It was so tense. Apart from that music, you also see the uh, Golan Globus. Yes, yeah. this is a Golan Globus. They produced it. Yes. Yeah, so that means they got their fingerprints all over it. Yes. So and they're like... Yeah, they, they, they co-produced it with Christopher Pierce. And uh, and apparently, um, Yoram Go Globus's name is spelled wrong in the credits. Uh-oh. 
I imagine that was very upsetting. It didn't bother them at all, I'm sure. It's like, where's the check? <laughs> We've got six more of these coming out. Yeah. <laughs> this month. We have no time to stop. So, um, well, I, sh- I should backtrack a little. Um, the main character, Diane or Dee or uh, Blaze, she, she wears she wears many hats, many names. Um, she's on the phone with Yvonne, and um, she asks, where's Richard for the show? And uh, nobody seems to know where this Richard guy is. Story of my life. And uh, one of them says, oh, he's coked up or loaded. I think I think Diane says that. D says that. He's coked up or loaded. He's in Palm Springs or whatever, whatever. Anyway, so the grab and stab happens in the shower. And then it cuts to these um, city scenes and a shitty theme that doesn't seem to know what it wants to be. This is supposed to be a quote unquote punk rock band. And it sounds like they think they're hair metal followed by they think they're queen. At no point do they resemble punk mm-hmm. in any incarnation I've ever they heard. kind of touch on new wave and some fashion, but they suggest, it's pretty tenuous. Yeah, they suggest it with the look. But nothing in their sound really says New Wave. Yeah. They're all clearly some older person's thought of punk. Right. Maybe maybe yeah. a couple of guys from Israel who produce movies. Perhaps. <laughs> so um, so these punks are, because are, we go to the city scene, okay, and the opening credits are happening and this bad theme is happening, which we'll cut in somewhere around here. punks and my note here says they would get fucking killed by real punks mm-hmm. you know they're just ridiculous they get killed by hot topic punks <laughs> they would <laughs> i mean they'd, they'd get killed by some fourth graders who just yeah. didn't like the looks of them so they roll up to the uh, hotel where this event is going to happen which we'll cover here in a second and there's this security guard who just he's ridiculously lame and he's saying tickets tickets need your tickets and one of them threatens him with a switchblade, which turns out to be a comb, switchblade comb. And he's really. Oh man, I had one of those. I've got a real switchblade. I terrified my cousin with a switchblade <laughs> comb once. Yeah, they don't really work very well for very long. No. And they just break. So, uh, now, this this is basically the place to be in what is L.A. I'm guessing. Right? Yeah, it's L.A. Okay. Yeah, okay. So this is the place to be in L.A. is this party at this hotel. And, uh, it looked pretty lame. It looked like a really lame party, didn't it? Yeah, it looked like it was, I don't know. Like a school dance. Yeah, school dance or maybe a, a shitty office party. 
Yeah, like a combination of those two things. Yeah. Did you notice this, Jolian? Do you remember? He doesn't remember. Uh, He's, <laughs> it's, it's just a general lameness throughout. Wipe this movie <laughs> from his head. Uh, so D's son, Derek, um, drops in with roses. He's wearing like this ridiculous, he's wearing jeans and like a tuxedo jacket with tails. And I don't know what he's trying to do. He's but he's, he's a punk. He's eighteen. I think he just doesn't really know how to get dressed. Isn't that how punks dress? Maybe they did. <laughs> I I think tucks and tails, but with jeans. A look called the Sid Vicious, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Some Chuck Taylor movies, punks. So, yeah. So this kid tries to um, tell his mom about. Uh, he's got roses, which she doesn't seem to notice. And he's got a part in a series called Spaceship America. That sounds awesome. Why didn't they make that movie? Okay. So, Will, what do you imagine Spaceship America to be? Um, Something up with people meets the day the Earth stood still. I was thinking Buck Rogers meets Three's Company. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. I'd watch that. Or uh, what was that one? Logan's, not Logan's Run. Um... What's another one like that? I was just picturing the worst mashup of the worst things. But yeah, I think I like your Up With People. It just sounds like it's going to be terrible. Spaceship America. Spaceship America. I just imagine it as one of those uh, like domes out in the desert where, and people are stuck in there and it's kind of reality TV thing. That they, sounds good. They have really white jumpsuits with like <laughs> with like uh, blue and red stripes down the side. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So... Um, she doesn't give a damn about Spaceship America or her stupid son. She, damn it. I know. He really wants to see Dad, who is Richard in Palm Springs, who may be coked up or loaded. Um, so they cut to the show. Hollywood Hotline, live from the Sunset Strip, with today's <laughs> with a countdown of today's most popular new wave rock. That's how they Dude. intro this thing. Yep. Are you kidding? <laughs> So they introduce the hostess, the first lady of rock, Blaze. Now, this is where we should tell you it's Roz Kelly, mm-hmm. who Jolien mentioned before we started recording was on Happy Days. As not, Should I mention the character? Not Richie's mom. <laughs> Will, one more cool, guess, because cool. Will thought it might be Richie's mom. No, I was joking. Oh, but... good, because <laughs> they both had red hair. <laughs> it was not Marianne Ross. No. Roz Kelly was, go ahead, Jolien. Pinky Tuscadero. Oh, is that true? That's Pinky. Yeah, okay. And she had a younger sister who appeared in a later episode, um, Leather Tuscadero, who was Susie Quattro, who was an actual oh, musician. Cool. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. yeah. So that was kind of cool. Although she had a very 80s hairdo in a show that was supposedly taking place in the 50s, late 50s, early 60s. A lot didn't work as Happy Days went along. <laughs> But in any event, Roz Kelly was Pinky Tuscadero in 1976, which was Fonzie's love interest. Mm. And she was in Full Moon High, another Larry Cohen movie. Have eight, you seen that? 81, yeah. Was it good? No. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't like it. No. Um, it's a yes or no question. It's got, it's got, who's the guy who played Herbert West? Uh, Jeffrey Coombs. Je- yeah, yeah, Jeffrey. He, he plays a farmer and he doesn't even get a credit. That guy broke my pencil. <laughs> but it's got it's got good ideas in it you know a typical larry cohen has got good ideas in it but yeah i didn't like it overall and she's also in curse of the black widow which is a dan curtis i think it's a tv movie from the 77 hmm. hmm. so suggested viewing for those who like to punish their eyes 
I enjoyed that one. That one was all right. Curse of the Black Widow. Yeah. I'm just assuming everything's garbage, but okay. <laughs> oh, and don't take my word for it. <laughs> I, I, I love Japanese superhero TV shows. So. But you also love nunsploitation. So, yeah. You know. Nunsploitation and Mexican horror wrestling. Yeah. So wide uh, range of interests. <laughs> <laughs> I like claymation mostly. Um, so the first lady of rock blaze is introduced and she says a bunch of really stupid stuff and she checks in with New York, Chicago, Aspen. Oh, that's <laughs> right. New, New York, London, things. Tokyo, Aspen. <laughs> the announcer in Aspen says, we do things different here in Colorado. And nobody's the wiser because at the time there weren't that many people living in Colorado. So no. they could have said anything. Wow. You know? But, but we are recording this in Denver, so we can say that nobody... We do things different here in Colorado. We do, but in Aspen? I don't know, man. <laughs> Does anybody trek to Aspen for New Year's Eve? Yeah, it's a huge New Year's Eve town. Okay. I was thinking it was more of a... Um, oh, God, what would be uh, like Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras kind of a town? Oh, Aspen? Yeah. Yeah, it's a huge Catholic population, so of course they have a big Mardi Gras. Yeah, there's a whole lot of Catholic tie-in. And we're going to talk about that when we talk about voodoo, voodoo movies. Voodoo movies, yeah. We're going to do voodoo movies one of these episodes soon. Mm-hmm. So we're going to warn people ahead of time, like we did this time, what to watch. I'm thinking Skeleton Key, Serpent that's, of the Rainbow, that's a good one. Angel Heart. Live I die. don't know if I can watch Angel Heart again. Well, okay, let's do I Walk With a Zombie. I don't know okay. I Walk With a Zombie. That's a great one. I think we're subconsciously or consciously avoiding talking about this New Year's Evil movie. What were we talking? New Year's Evil, never heard of it. How about if I just speed read my notes out loud and then we'll be done? How about we just skip to the end? Uh, the Killer Did It. The Killer Did It. And move on to Twilight. All right, we can't we we can't do that because we're going to disappoint some people who tortured themselves watching this. Okay. There's probably three people listening to this. I I just don't remember it. I I can't. Okay, let me refresh your memory. So Blaze takes a couple of hotline calls after she announces Aspen and whatnot. Um, one of them, uh, she, sort of like she's taking requests, and one of them is this woman who who a young girl whatever says, "You should play. We don't need no education." All right. <laughs> newsflash it's called another brick in the wall part, part two, two. <laughs> and uh why would that fit in with the show anyway um so the second one is a guy with a voice changer who identifies himself as evil he says it that way so i'm thinking <laughs> oh shit it's donald pleasance <laughs> but it wasn't um no no request just a resolution he's going to commit murder at midnight and he says, someone close to you. Don't ask me how I did. I kind of sound like Popeye when I did that, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> so he's going to eat his spinach and do some murder. Um, she plays it off and introduces Shadow. And I'm thinking, okay, who's this? And it goes into that same song from the intro again, which will spike that in here, I think. On so the, on TCM last night, they had a movie called Night Train to Terror. Have you seen that one? Uh, but anyway, it's uh, it they, very they got hold of three 
horror movies and they mm-hmm. edited them down oh. into short stories and then they built this framing structure around them where god and satan are on a train talking about humanity and then interspersed with that there's this like uh, 80s movie version of new year, new wave band yeah playing music and doing break dancing in one of the carriages oh wow it's, it's very bizarre sounds it yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that sounds like fun <laughs> Okay, back to this dumb movie. Okay. Um, Wait, which one was it again? Um, well, oh, it's New a doc- Year's Evil. It's a documentary right. about a band called Shadow. <laughs> All right, so Ernie, the ba- Ernie, who's the manager of, of Blaze, is, is uh, basically... He's the fastest milkman in the West. <laughs> he's dismissing her concerns, it seems. Uh, but he's the fastest what now? Milkman. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Britishism. Oh, okay. Um, Carry on. Okay. So then we see some kitchen worker and it looks like evil is in this place, this institution, whatever it is. And you can see some people in this institution are in the rec room ready for the countdown, which I think is the New York countdown. Um, But this guy uh, has changed into some nurse clothes, some scrubs of sorts. He looks like an orderly and he's got... uh, a little tape recorder and some champagne with him. And he meets this nurse and um, nurse smokes a lot. I thought he said he was a new doctor. Oh, I thought he's, oh, I don't know what he said. Doctor, orderly, nurse. Doctor, orderly. <laughs> my name is Doctor Orderly. I know that's ironic <laughs> and unfortunate, but that's my name. Not Doctor Evil? No. No. Well, that's funny you should say that. Oh. <laughs> Doctor Evil. Uh, so he's, he's a... Uh, quickly making time with this nurse who likes to smoke and um they're gonna they're gonna have some champagne and do some dancing and uh you know get stabbed to death as you will on new year's eve so he kills this girl and records it with his crappy little tape recorder now this is where you kind of get the idea this is this must be the killer you know maybe this is the same guy from the hotel so that means he's right there right he's mm-hmm. not far from the event mm-hmm. okay now, here's where the real problem occurs. We cut back to the party, and now Shadow is playing something that is definitely blues-sounding. Not, not really genuine blues, but they're, no. just, they're just playing some bluesy riff. And I'm thinking, this is such a new wave band. <laughs> Sounds new wave. And then we meet Lieutenant Clayton and Sergeant Green that show up with Ernie, the manager. And this is like porn acting but no one's naked i can't even remember any of this i swear i watched this this morning and it... because it's wow. so bad your brain shut shut it, it must have it's not I... bad enough it's it not... isn't it's just dull it's okay. so dull do you remember the creepy son with the pills and the booze no okay that there was ha- a son in this <laughs> the guy with the with the tux jacket Okay, he's smashing up pills and snorting them and drinking booze. Okay, so you don't remember that. How about from Spaceship America? Um, yeah, yeah. You remember? Yeah. You remember Spaceship America? I do. It's kind of a. I'm mass- excited about Spaceship America. <laughs> it's kind of like Love Boat. Yeah, it was like it's like Love Boat meets GI Joe. <laughs> that sounds more like it. <laughs> hey, you better copyright that. I should. I'll put That's the little TM concept. next to it. When, okay. <laughs> when I put it in the, in the episode description. All right. So Nurse Jane gets killed by Jeff Winters. And, um, you know, 
Let's see. Evil calls Blaze again. And we know Jeff Winters is the killer. We've seen his face. Okay. So now you so don't have any any mystery as to who's the killer. The suspense fails to mount. Right. Only it was Jonathan Winters. <laughs> or maybe Edgar Winters. <laughs> Edgar Winters would have been great. Oh, that would be in a band. Yeah. The only person he could be mistaken for is his brother. <laughs> Johnny and Edgar. Outside of that, no one fits that description. So uh, now we know who it is. There's no suspense. Um, he... Uh, Tells the police they can find the body somewhere in the Crawford Sanitarium. So now we know it was a mental institution. Now, the brunette actually finds her before the police do in this closet next to all these spare straitjackets hanging on the wall. I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see that. Did you watch it at all? I swear <laughs> I watched this movie this morning and it is all gone. <laughs> it, none of it's stuck. Oh my... I remember the band was named Made in Japan. That was one of them. I think they did the one called Dumb Blondes. I think the rest of the stuff was... And I wondered if it was Made in Japan or Made in Japan. Oh, that was a live album, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. That was a very good one. Um, Paul Diano was still singing yeah. for Iron Maiden. Yep. Welcome to the Iron Maiden podcast. <laughs> um, okay, so you don't remember that, the spare straitjackets. Uh, <laughs> so then uh, Derek, who had been smashing up pills... You did and... mention we're not professional... Film critics. We're, I did mention that we're not film critics. We're not professional anythings on this because we're not getting paid for any of this. So you're welcome, listeners. If you want to send us money, though, please do. So there's another shit song. <laughs> Let's try that again. There's another shit song from Shido. I'm sorry, Shadow. And Derek's stalking around with a red nylon stretched over his head. Uh, he can't get his mom on the phone. He's tearing apart the roses. You remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Are you just humoring me? No, I do remember <laughs> okay. that. So he's upset, clearly. So this is uh, Richard Sullivan? Um, th no, this is the son, Derek. Okay. Okay, he's got the tux jacket. He's stretched a nylon over his head. From he's... Spaceship America. Yeah. Mm. You remember, it was like a combination of Love Boat and Evil Knievel wearing a jumpsuit. Yeah, something like that. Okay, so uh, here's the best part of the movie, in my opinion. Well, the second best. So the mom is dancing on stage and the song ends and the singer starts cackling. And there's this string of spit in his mouth that goes between his top teeth and his bottom teeth that just doesn't go away the whole Ooh. time he's cackling. And I'm going to pull this picture up here. Oh, no, please. Yeah. you got to. Well, I'm going to put this somewhere that people can see it. This is a kind of 90s comic book. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds like Sal Buscema. <laughs> Let's see. I he got, always drew that spittle I did <laughs> between people's teeth. I did three frame cap um, screenshots, rather, in a row. Okay. Ah. It just gets worse. See, he looks like something out of uh, like that Phantom of the Oh, yeah. The guys. Here's a closer look. Ew. Oh, yeah. Just ew. Yeah, he looks very, I don't know, glam- Fantastic. Rock. I don't know. It's not punk. It's definitely not punk. It's like when a bunch of Ida Billies think they're going to be punk rock. All right. So we've got the string of spit. That's probably the second best thing that happens. And now Evil is gluing on a molestache. Now, Jolene, I don't know if you're familiar with the term. That's a molester mustache. It looks like something only a molester would wear. With their uh, white vest. Yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, he's in some club. Now, do you remember this part, Will? He's picking up girls in this yeah. little nightclub. Yeah, he picks up one, and then her friend comes along. And they go yep. to the gas station, and he sends them one. Or they're at a liquor store, gas station, I don't know. Oh, so, so he's a kind two. of like short eyes molester? Or? He, sends, uh, he sends one in to get liquor. Doritos or liquor or something? Yeah. Yeah. And kills the other one. <clears throat> With Much a sack of weed. <laughs> you remember that? Yes. He stretches a sack of weed over her head. Yes, like uh like smelling it. Christmas thing. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Do you remember the premise under which he lured this girl out of the bar? Um, no, not off the oh, top. Oh, he's of my in head. town for some business thing, he's gotta get going. Uh, he says, and I quote, There's a big party up at Eric Estrada's place. Kind of a command performance. I've got to ask, what the hell would be a command performance by Eric Estrada? Man, I don't know. Is he going to put on his chips uniform yeah. and ride the chips motorcycle around the yard? He used to do monologues from chips <laughs> at his house. So naturally, that was all it took to lure her away. Yeah, Eric Estrada. Command performance. I'd get in a car with an obvious killer. <laughs> so would I. <laughs> Go see Eric Estrada. And what? And she says some line about, uh, at least I won't get crushed to death. And he says, that I guarantee. Yeah, you're going to get suffocated to death. So. And then he, the other lady comes out. Yeah. The parking lot's empty. She finds a shoe. She <laughs> finds a handbag. There's a bit of material sticking out of the dumpster. She leans in to see if, I'm guessing, her friend. Uh-huh. And the killer's in there, and he grabs her and pulls her into the dumpster. Yeah. Done and done. <sighs> Boy. Well, to to break the tension of all these suspenseful, terrifying murders, they cut back to Made in Japan and or Shadow playing dumb blondes. And then um, that happens. Uh, when the cops show up to find these bodies, they get attacked by a cat, like you would, you know, the off-screen cat leaps in, startles everyone. Yeah. Yeah, well, that was a good addition. Um, so uh, they find both the dead girls on the playground swings. So he's moved the bodies to the swing set. Oh, that's right. That was pretty super. So Evil pisses off a biker gang on his way to a drive-in theater, which is showing Blood Feast. Have oh, you seen Blood Feast? Yeah. Is it better than New Year's Evil? Yeah. So they've broken the cardinal rule. <laughs> they showed a movie better than their, themselves. Yep. Yep. Blood Feast. You show a movie better than the movie that you're making. That sounds very familiar. What is Blood Feast? Blood Feast, uh, the Herschel Gordon Lewis one. Oh, okay. It's where this uh, man's preparing an Egyptian feast. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. It's been a yeah. long time, but... Yeah, it's like it's the, the first American gore movie. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, because it's like um, uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis, he wanted to make films that would uh, make a buck on the drive-in circuits mm -hmm. in, the, in the southern circuits and uh and he realized that he couldn't make like quality movies or it, he, ne he needed some some opening in the market and he realized that uh, the thing that wasn't being done was extreme gore so yeah now the um did the you notice that they only had like maybe 30 seconds of blood feast i don't the trailer and they kept playing it over and over <laughs> It's like the, the scene is 
uh, guy with sideburns is sitting there. You see his profile, with sunglasses on. They show it like three times, and like the movie doesn't advance past that scene, hmm. and it's just the trailer saying, you know. I kind of wonder if if they were just so cheap they wouldn't pay for more than that. I imagine that was the case. Yeah, it's like uh, we won't pay you for more than that. Okay, well, I had then, more money for cocaine. They're like the jokes on them. We're going to just play it over and over. <laughs> Uh, the the biker gang rolls into the drive-in theater without paying, which was mm-hmm. the real atrocity of this movie. Mm-hmm. Shame on them. Yeah. And the uh, one of the attendants standing there kind of waves her arms and shakes her head. It was basically infomercial acting. It was, it was pretty outstanding. Yeah. I don't know how to use a garden hose. Ah. So that happens. Um, one of the bikers comes up to Evil who is now dressed as a priest and says, greetings, asshole, which, you know, is a really nice way to call yeah, someone. Yeah, they're polite in L.A. Yeah. The bikers. It's a small town. They will use the word greetings. Small town values. <laughs> it's middle America is yeah. what it is. Yeah. Uh, so evil says, I'm a man of God, not a man of violence, and then stabs the biker to death. Yes. So I remember that. He contradicted himself. Yeah. Another problem. Now, uh, there's a teen girl and her boyfriend in a car making out, and then he basically wants to take the car, but he takes her with. And I think he's planning to kill her for the Aspen time zone, because now they're, yeah. they've taken care of New York and Chicago. So he's, doing, he's on to mountain time. Yep. Yeah. So he's got this girl in the car, and she's pleading, but he's going to kill her, I think. Is I kept the, waiting for her to jump out, and thankfully she did. She did. He stops the car and she jumps out and takes off. She did the obvious. Yes. Which is open the door. She did run into the woods, which was, I think you lose points for, but she did run to a high school and hide under some bleachers. Which he comes after her tapping the knife. He sees her, but then the cops show up. Because a couple of drunks ratted him out. Yeah, the drunks were standing in the middle of the road. That's why he stopped. They were hilarious drunks. Yeah. My favorite kind. Do they, do they like put down the bottle? <laughs> and rub their eyes? Yeah. <laughs> they should have. No, no. And it's only like 11 o'clock in LA, but they are shit-faced. <laughs> <laughs> right. And the girl runs away uh, to her safety, as it turns out. Um, Evil runs in the other direction, apparently. So she's safe. She's not going to die. And Happy New Year from Aspen uh, happens, I guess, back at the party. Where they ski downhill with candles, evidently. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, it looked nice. It's lovely. They should have shown that instead like of this the movie. Yeah. The Candlelight Parade. <laughs> the Osmonds. Holy crap. I'm getting terrible flashbacks of that decade. <laughs> mm. Uh, back at the party, there's a weird cop psychologist that tells Blaze in a super duper announcer voice that uh, the killer might be planning to kill her because she's high profile. And uh, Evil lures a cop away from the entrance and hits him in the head with a brick and changes into his uniform, which should be about three sizes too big. Uh, yeah, the, the, the watchman or the cop looked like he was shorter and much fatter right. than uh, the killer. Right. And then the killer, yeah, it fits him perfectly. Yeah. And Made in Japan play a song called Banzai. So it's actually announced. So we know that's them and we know that's the name of the song. Banzai? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A little little bit on the nose there, isn't it? 
Um, so evil has the cop uniform on and, uh, there's this cop who's clearly from Chicago that tells blaze that he's sticking with her. Understand me. And somehow she does understand him, even though I barely understood him and I'm from Chicago. Um, he creeps up on Derek in the hotel room and almost shoots him, but then blaze, uh, makes him go away so she can change. And then here comes uh, Stan Laurel in a jogging suit. Oh, yeah, there's someone wearing a Stan Laurel mask. Yeah, that yeah. was horrifying. That, that was mask. That is my favorite, well, what I deem the best part of the movie uh, outside of the string of spit mm-hmm. in that singer's mm-hmm. mouth. Um, Stan Laurel in a jogging suit, eventually with a switchblade. Yeah. So Why couldn't the killer be dressed like that the whole movie? It would have been a better movie. And surely you had like appearances of famous people be copyrighted. You couldn't just use a mask of a... Well, they never said, oh, he was I dressed can't... as Stan Laurel. I mean, it's enough of a caricature. It's... Yeah, I think you could get away with it. It's deniable, right? Mm. It's the 80s. Stan Laurel's been dead for a long time. Yeah, his family's not going to sue anyone. Probably in the 50s or 60s. I don't know. He died in World War II. <laughs> he had he did not he had 96 confirmed kills <laughs> confirmed kills unfortunately they were all in downtown chicago yeah. <laughs> he drove a tank down rush street in chicago yeah oh people righty. didn't know whether to laugh or scream yeah i'm sorry i made that up it was actually michigan avenue yeah um okay so Stan Laurel, that's nice. Um, he unmasks himself to uh, reveal who he is to Blaze, a.k.a. Diane, a.k.a. D, a.k.a. Pinky Tuscadero. And uh, it's evil, but evil is Richard. Holy crap. Oh, yeah. The that's the twist. Scooby-Doo moment of the fucking movie. <laughs> I think this is where I may have stopped it. Well, I got up to go take a shower and i just never came back <laughs> so this is the character played by kip niven kip niven yes okay um kip. what else has kip done he was santa in santa's sack 2012 <laughs> was that, that a, was porno? a porno it, it was his sack i don't know what kind of sack it was it's spelled with a k so oh he was also in damnation alley oh wow 77 and he was in uh, an episode of bionic woman which is my second wow. favorite TV series of all time. <laughs> You're saying that without sarcasm. I really liked it. It's like season two is great. Lindsay Wagner. Lindsay Wagner. I love yeah. Lindsay Wagner. Yeah. She was wonderful, wasn't she? So um, now that we know that this is, um, this is evil is Richard. Richard is evil. Uh, he reveals to Blaze that... Uh, that Derek's surprise is his visit. He is the surprise. Ta-da. And uh, he pretends to know nothing about anything that's going on. And uh, in the wonderful days before all kinds of surveillance hotel cameras, he's able to just go and start hooking up equipment to an elevator box. You didn't see this, did you, Will? No, I didn't see oh. this. Well, somehow... Um, I believe I had eight minutes left on this movie. Oh, Yeah. Well, you you missed some good stuff. The lieutenant tells uh, the manager guy, Ernie, that they found Richard's car abandoned at a drive-in and the driver uh, of another car has been stabbed or a couple people have been stabbed or whatever. I think the biker and then the boyfriend of the girl that he tried to kidnap. I don't think he stabbed the boyfriend. I think he just told him to get out of the car and he did. 
Oh, that could be. He's like, oh, okay, man. Let's and see. the girl didn't get out of the back seat. The, the driver stabbed two people, whoever they were. So anyway. Yeah. So, um, so Richard was once a patient at the sanitarium, it's revealed. And Ernie clears up that he didn't okay him to come into the party because, you know, the cops had sealed any further entry. So that all being said, um, Blaze and the cop are getting uh, messed with in the elevator. Richard's controlling it with shorting it out with a screwdriver and some wires. I think Richard opens the elevator and knocks out the cop who's been knocked out by the elevator dropping, drags him out. This is where he plays the tape. Uh, And he says, instant replay, a miracle of modern technology. Really a tape recorder? Yep. (laughs) Those things haven't been around for at least a few decades at this point. Nope. All right. (laughs) And she says, of course, it was you? Why? And he tells her he was fed up with her and her stuff. With the whole punk scene. Yeah. (laughs) He's going to give it a bad name. Uh, He basically said that she castrated him. I don't think he meant it literally. But he reveals that, uh, you know, he's had enough of her crap. There's other men, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Derek got a part in a show without using your name. He got it on his own merits, apparently. So... Spaceship America is a show. Okay. Yeah, and that's he, the one about the like the hen puppets on the moon. Yeah. 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 It's I like, think it's Love Connection paired up with uh, Space 1999. Right. Oh, that's even better. Battlestar Galactica with the Osmonds. <laughs> <laughs> so he's going to take Derek to the Rose Bowl, and I'm thinking, man, eh, maybe they could wear matching red nylons over their heads. Yeah. It's the Rose Bowl. It'd be kind of a nice go with. Um, he doesn't, he doesn't really. What did the tape say? Oh, the tape was the girl getting murdered. Some, one of the girls getting murdered. That's it? Yep. Um. Thought it was going to be some big reveal. So how is she married to him for 16 or 18 years and she doesn't get the inkling that he's insane? I don't know. Or has ever been in a mental mental institution. Love is blind, you know, you just, you just choose not to see the bloody gloves in the laundry yeah well in any event um he hooks up chains and handcuffs on her attaches her to the underside of the elevator so she's being hoisted up underneath and he basically is going to crush her with the elevator from what i can tell so he's got the elevator controls all shorted out and whatever and the cops show up he has a shootout with them Mm -hmm. and apparently they're terrible shots uh he makes it to the rooftop with his stan laurel mask and a cop has him at gunpoint. He recites some poetry, which I didn't bother to write down, and jumps to his death. That's it? It's best, over? Best part of the movie. He jumps to All his All right. <laughs> You'd think so. Does he jump as he's reciting, or does he finish his poem and then... Finishes and just dives off. It wasn't the worst mannequin you've ever seen. No? No, it was all right. All right. So now, here's the kicker. The son, Derek, comes up. Kind of snuggles up next to his dad's dead body. And uh, he takes the mask. And he makes this I'm the killer now face. You know the, you know the yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I've gone over the edge. Here uh-huh. I am. And he's driving the ambulance with his mom in it. And the radio show from Hawaii reveals that it's midnight there. So we can assume that he's going to kill mom and or there's a sequel. I didn't bother checking. <sighs> Don't think so. The end. Okay. Thank God. So, there you have it. 
I would not recommend this to anybody. <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe you should mark what the time is on the show now so that Twilight Zone fans can... 54 minutes and approximately... So they could have jumped okay. yeah, Jump forward to 54. No, that's not fair. They have to listen to it. I had to sit there and watch almost all of this movie. Well, it was... It was, how shall one say, it lived up to the expectations of a canon film slash Golan Globus production. Mm -hmm. Golan Globus. Only thing it was missing was ninjas. Yeah, ninjas would have added something, I think. Yeah, maybe the killer should have been a ninja. That would be great. On a spaceship named (laughs) America. (laughs) Spaceship America, ninja fighters. Well, copyright it. Yep. TM. Yep. Stake it. All right. So palate cleanser, if there can be one good enough to wipe the memory of that out, the monsters are due on Maple Street. Oh. Season one, episode 22. Did you watch this one? Nope. 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 Didn't watch it. Didn't watch it? (laughs) No, I watched it. Rod Serling wrote this one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, what did you think of this one? Um, Well, I have to be honest, familiar... Arity breeds contempt after yeah. a while. I've seen Twilight Zone. I don't quite get the Twilight Zone. I remember enjoying it as a kid, but rewatching it, I was just so bored. So bored. I, I find that like uh, it wasn't on all the time in in England, mm-hmm. so I didn't get into it. They were, so I'd, I'd catch a few here and there, and they'd be cool ones like the the ones with William Shatner and so on. Yeah, but. Uh, a lot of them I found you'd have a, a cool premise, like something weird would happen. Uh-huh. And then it'd be half an hour to 50 minutes of not much developing from that. Yes. And then there'd be an ironic twist. Yes. Um, so we'll get we'll go on to like the uh, nightmare one later. But I found that was that was a good one because it develops all the way through. Yeah. It does escalate. Yeah. Now, the monsters are doing Maple Street more than anything, was sort of a um, cautionary tale. Yeah. I think, which... It was a Red Scare. It was in the day of the Red Scare, for sure. Mm-hmm. Everybody was worried that everybody else was a commie. And very few people were a commie. So, everyone pointing fingers, nothing meaning- meaningful gets done. It did have kind of a nice mood to it, I thought. Yeah. It felt like... I, I enjoyed it when I first saw this story. When you were 10. Yeah. So what's, the, <laughs> uh, what's the setup of this uh, one? Spaceship it's goes over? It's a small town, America, perfect street. Um, great Usually Ohio. <laughs> yeah, something like that. A UFO goes over, and all the power goes out. Phones are cut. Cars don't work. And um, the people start wondering what was that what happened and slowly they start becoming suspicious of one another Mm. and a little kid comes up and says that obviously it was visitors from outer space yeah he's kind of the harbinger Uh uh-huh and that uh before the invasion and some comic book or whatever he watched or read uh the aliens had sent down people who looked human Mm. before the invasion Mm mm-hmm and uh, so everybody starts suspecting everybody else of being an alien. And uh, it all goes downhill from there. Okay. <laughs> and the thing about it that I find really interesting is that 
these people who normally wouldn't have that much violence in their lives are pretty quick to shooting and stoning. They are a lot like the crowds <laughs> in The Simpsons. Anything goes wrong in The Simpsons, the power goes out, and two seconds later they're rioting and looting. Torches and pitchforks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a lot like the people on Maple Street. Yeah, which maybe is where they got it. Yeah. Maybe The Simpsons uh, writers love The Twilight Zone. I don't doubt it. They probably do. Hmm. Now, one of the one of the uh, people from the neighborhood suggests sunspots. What the hell are sunspots? Sunspot? That, you don't know sunspots? Is that when there's a big flare of activity from the sun and it causes electrical yeah, that weirdness? Yeah, that could be it, yeah. Okay. I was wondering that it was uh, something else. There's spots on the sun. They explained it all on Spaceship America. Yeah, <laughs> didn't you see that episode? Sunspots? <laughs> um, when, when the character Les can't get his car started, um, the best part of that is he walks away and the car starts itself. It's yes. Like, that was the only unnatural thing that actually happened. Because power goes out, things quit working. There could be an explanation, but cars don't start themselves. Well, they do now. I guess you have little usually little buttons you could press to yes. start your car. But it's illegal to leave it running without you in it. Yeah. They call it puffing here. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Puffing. Puffing. Yeah, they're trying to discourage it because so many cars get stolen in winter because people switch yeah, the people... cars on and leave them. Yeah. To get and warm. it's a bunch of exhaust that you don't need. Yeah. You could be sitting in that car while it's running. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of people drive off with your car a lot of people i don't know what that means but (laughs) occasionally somebody will drive off with someone else's car (laughs) probably a monster it sounds less Mm. a space alien space aliens yeah they they account for a lot of the car theft in denver yeah especially these days Mm -hmm. so this character less gets a gets called an oddball he and his whole family are just oddballs and they point out that he didn't come out when this thing went over. And uh, Claude Akins plays his character, Steve. Now, Claude Akins is this, this great kind of... Uh, he ended up being a main character in some other stuff, but at this point in his career, he was just a character actor. And he just had this really nice, very manly, but a very gentle way about him. And uh, he, he basically says, wait a minute, let's not be a mob. But, you know, accusations are flying and... Cars are starting and stopping on their own, and you know the people are getting a little crazy. Um, it cuts to a night scene, and people have candles. There's a couple on the porch, and they're being uh, sort of surveilled by other people from the street. And the whole thing just kind of—you could tell—this unease isn't going to go away, no matter what happens. And then Steve, who was the voice of reason, gets pointed out for building some weird thing in his basement, which his wife explains is a ham radio. So nothing really weird is actually going on other than the car and, you know, it's a power outage otherwise. But uh, things are getting pretty heated. Some footsteps come up, up the street out of the darkness. Someone yells that it's the monster and this guy Charlie shoots into the darkness at whoever or whatever this thing is and it turns out to be another person from the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. He shoots Pete Van Horn. Real drag. Yeah, especially if you're Pete. (laughs) Did not see that coming, did you, Pete? Stalking around in the dark. Um, Of course, I guess outside of a candle, nothing would have really worked to light the way, would it? 
No. I think your flashlights quit working. Or... I imagine. So Charlie explains that he came out of the darkness. How was I supposed to know who he was? You could have yelled. Yeah, there could have been that, like, stop or I'll shoot. And yeah. then Charlie's house lights come on. Now everyone thinks Charlie's the monster. And the crowd actually begins stoning him. People are throwing rocks at him. Like, like biblical times. So we're reverting to the Stone Age, literally. Why didn't he start shooting back? I don't know. He's got a gun. He's killed once. He can kill again. Yeah. Isn't he... it always the first one that's the hardest? Yep. <laughs> He's the last guy I'd throw a rock Is at. that the first million's the hardest to earn? I don't know. I think that is it. After that, they just come pouring in. Um, he gets out of the stoning by yelling, It's the kid! It's Tommy! Of course, the mother proclaims the kid's innocence, and accusations are flying, and then the lights are flashing off and on in all the houses, and there's chaos and gunfire. This is where we cut to the smug aliens on the hillside. Yes. They're so smug. They're so smug. What do they look like? Just people. Yeah, they just look like normal people. They don't have any big foreheads or anything. Yeah, and they use the same UFO from uh, How to Serve Man. That's right. They just, or at least I assume that's just, it looked just like the same prop. I think the prop closet probably uh, got visited several times for different episodes. Yeah. Yeah, you, you see like uh, props and models from Forbidden Planet turning up all through these. Mm-hmm. Which is great. Series, yeah. I could, that may be what the UFO was. I tried to find Forbidden Planet to watch on New Year's Day. I was going to watch that and couldn't find it anywhere. It, oh. might, it might have been on one of the services. I've got it. It's one of my favorite movies ever. That's fantastic. In fact, the other Twilight, Twilight Zone I watched was called Jess Bell. And I watched it because it had Anne Francis in it. <laughs> That's awesome. She goes to see a, a witch in order to um, make this fella love her, played by the late James Best. And it's, it's like a, ah. it's this kind of hillbilly situation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Anne Francis goes to see this uh, guy who's, like, crazy because he doesn't prefer her over the this other woman in town. Mm-hmm. Who seems perfectly nice, but she's not Anne Francis. Yeah. So so you then, recommend that one? Uh, if you like Anne Francis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why not? And, and Yeah, it's another one where it, it doesn't really develop much. I mean, she um, she puts the hex on, on him, and uh, and but the, the price is that at midnight she turns into a leopard. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that one. Well, depending on what kind of shoes she's wearing, it may not be that dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> so have you got like Converse and they're laced up really tight? Yeah. Well, I guess there's still the I fangs. I think she gets shot at the end. We want to ruin it. Oh, <laughs> man. So the smug aliens explain that uh, all they have to do is mess with the power and everyone turns against each other. And that's the procedure. Yep. And uh, and they're going to do this block by block. Yes. Or something silly. He, he says, uh, um, and I take it, well, the one, the less experienced alien says, and I take it, this place, this Maple Street is not unique. And the other one says, by no means. Their world is full of Maple Streets and will go from one to the other and let them destroy themselves. One to the other. One to the other. And he repeats that about five times. Hmm. So they're going to... Um, Take over the earth by doing this. By activating hysteria. Yep. Yeah. So that actually works. And it's working today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On Maple Street. 
there's Maple Streets is everywhere. People keep moving to Maple Street, though. I mean, it should have a bad reputation by now. Yeah, no, <laughs> no streets with tree names. They're all dangerous. You know, all the shootings and the stonings that happen on Maple Street and all the, drove the property values way down. All the razor finger slicings on Elm Street. Yeah. Bad news there. So the next one, chronologically from the Twilight Zone, would be Nick of Time. Now, we've all seen that one, right? That, that's another Shatner. Yeah. Okay. That's the first Shatner Which one, one is this? The, with a fortune teller. Oh, it's like a dummy in a booth or something? Nope. Yeah, it's a little bobblehead on a, a napkin dispenser. Yeah, it's a devil bobblehead. You put pennies okay. in it, and it spits out fortunes. Okay. It's not one of those swami ones in the arcade mm. case. Yeah. It's a, it's a little... And, a, and apparently it was um, modified or based on an actual little machine that would be in a diner. Yeah, I don't doubt that. It was called the something swami or whatever. But this one's called the Mystic Seer. Mm. And it's got a devil head on the top of it that's got like a monocle or a rhinestone for an eye or something. Mm. And this couple is being towed into this little Ohio town because their car broke down. And they go into this diner while they're waiting for... Apparently, um, this podunk town doesn't have fuel pumps. They have to go to Dayton to get them. Mm -hmm. So um, they're going to have to kill a few hours in this town. And they end up uh, in this diner, which has this fortune-telling machine. And Don, which is Shatner's character, is revealed to be pretty superstitious. So he takes a lot of the stuff that comes out in the little... Um, these little skinny cards. He takes a lot of this stuff very seriously. And, uh, and it's all magic eight ball. Try again. Oh yeah. All signs point to yes. Yeah. It's all it, kind of answers. Yeah. You're supposed to ask it a yes or no question according mm. to the decal on the front of the thing. And it'll give you this super ambiguous little fortune. And he, in his very Shatner esque way of delivering is like, what does it mean? And one of the things he's waiting on is apparently he, um, is in line for a promotion at his job. And he realizes that because of what this little fortune machine said, he should call work and find out. And he's got a secretary there that is going to secretly tell him whether he's been promoted or not. And this vague answer lines up with this actual event to the point where he really gets into a bit of a hysteria about the whole thing. Uh He's kind of riled up. So this one looks really good. The story doesn't do much. I kind of give it a pass based on the fact that a it's William Shatner. Mm -hmm. He's young. He's handsome. He's got this really nice way about him. Who's the woman? Um, I didn't write down the actress's name. Leonard Nimoy. (laughs) It was a young Leonard Nimoy in drag. Uh, yeah, I don't remember, but, uh, her name's Pat in Pat. Evidently they wanted to cast the same woman from, uh, when they did the, when they do the nightmare at, 10,000 feet so or whatever. So it's the further adventures of... Yeah. <laughs> they wanted the same, the same wife, but that actress was unavailable. Oh, that's funny. And I was like, oh, that'd be great. But I don't yeah. remember what his name is in 10,000 feet or whatever. Um, Bob Wilson. Oh, see, they should have named him Don. And yeah, yeah. he's... He was, he was Don, then he was Bob. He was Don in Little Town, and then he went on an airplane. And... See, this was an era when you could see somebody like Adam West... Or William Shatner, and they were just the most dashing, handsome young actors. Kind of unknowns at the time, and then they became known for Captain Kirk and Batman. <laughs> well, he was he was known on the stage, wasn't he? He was he was like promoted as another Marlon Brando when he was doing Shakespeare in New York. That would make sense. 
I mean, he had his chops. It was just, um, he kind of created his own style, that, that, yeah. that kind of strange cadence to his delivery. But it worked. Yeah. I can't argue that it worked. Um, so this, uh, this episode, Will, did you like this one? Yeah, this one's all right. Yeah. I liked it when I was a kid, again. Did you uh, ever get any eerie feeling from this one? No. Me neither. That That's my one argument against it, is that it doesn't creep you out. Yeah, it doesn't creep you out. Um, yeah, they tried to be, I mean, as ambiguous as possible, whether or not these well, tags are coming true. These, yeah, these little fortunes. Yeah. The one thing that does happen, and this is just like, um, monsters are doing Maple Street. There's one occurrence that happens that you could argue is supernatural or, or unusual. Uh, and that is, it's suggested by his question and the answer of the fortune machine that they shouldn't leave until after three o'clock. But they leave a couple minutes before three and they almost get hit by a car mm-hmm. crossing the street. Yeah. That could be coincidence. Outside of that, nothing really supernatural or terribly unusual happens yeah watching this it made it seem like the wife didn't want to cross the street then but shatner made her run across the street (laughs) so they were almost hit self-fulfilling prophecy yeah (laughs) he's like you see that car almost hit us he didn't really say it like that uh so the near accident is really kind of it as far as all that goes. And then the coincidence that there's another question that's asked and answered by the machine after they go back in the diner and that's how soon they're going to leave. And the mechanic shows up to let them know that they did find a fuel pump a little quicker than expected. And the car is ready to go. And the outro narration from Rod Serling basically says, Oh, their futures in front of them and it's all nice and whatever. Johnny good. Exact yeah. word. Those were his exact words. Mm-hmm. It's all nice and good. Rod <laughs> Sterling was a hell of a writer. He wrote Planet of the Apes. Let's just say that. <laughs> and then the apes do something or other. And... He didn't write the original story. No. He didn't. <laughs> no. That was a French guy, wasn't it? Yeah. Pierre Boulle. Yeah. Yeah. And Jack Kirby did it before him. Damn it. So Rob Sterling's a big copycat. A big I think smoking they just copycat. Him in to punch up the ending. That could be it. To give him the, the twist. Yeah, I think he, he that did was the all twist, yeah. Rod Serling did on Planet of the Apes. All right. Well, that one, I recommend it based on the aesthetics and some of the, just the nice nostalgia of seeing this town inside and outside of the diner and the fact that Shatner is, you know, young and suave and whatever. Based on that stuff, it's worth a look. Um, it's not going to creep you out. You're not going to get any eerie feeling. I will say that in Living Doll, I did get the creeps a couple times watching that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we're not going to talk about that yet. We're going to talk about Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. So this was released on October 11th, 1963. And um, Shatner, once again, plays a character with a one-syllable name, Bob. All right. Julian, you've seen this one. Yes. What did you think? Excellent. I mean, it's uh, Richard Matheson story and... That man knows how to write. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this is Richard Donner directing it. Yes. What else has Donner done that you liked? Uh, Superman. Superman. That's what he's known for. <laughs> yeah. Didn't he you... do The Omen as well? I think so. Did he Did he do The Lethal Weapon? Yes, he did. Yeah. Why don't we... 
while we're talking, I'm going to pull up IMDb because we have the magical <laughs> yeah, but device this, to do this. This is like one of the half-hour episodes, and and uh, it, uh, it establishes it really fast. And, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's that kind of Hitchcocking suspense of you know, is he? Yeah. How can he make people believe what's going on? And the exposition is not clunky at all. No. It's no. smooth enough to where you're like, okay, they're not spoon feeding me yeah. this. Good cast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's like you're stuck in one location all the time, but it's not boring. It's yeah. They, you know, they don't repeat angles a lot. You were right about Lethal Weapon, by the way, um, and sadly also the sequels. Uh, he did the Goonies, mm, which okay. a lot of people love. The Goonies. I saw that five or six times. Yeah. The Goonies. Yeah, I didn't mean to. Wow. But <laughs> I didn't mean to. I'm so sorry. Just, I stumbled um, and fell into it. When I when I lived in this town on the far north end of Japan, and I used to every weekend I used to go south to have some fun. Yeah. <laughs> so I go down to the the city, which is Sapporo, and then uh, the cheapest way to get back was this bus ride, coach, uh, which took like six seven hours. Yeah. And uh, the one movie they had every time. On the TV, it was Goonies. Goonies. Well, if you had done that 10 years later, it would have been Air Bud. Ooh. <laughs> well, for fuck's sake. Every time I got on an airplane for a while, there was fucking Air Bud. Um, Scrooged was another one that, that uh, okay. Lady Hawk. Um, That's good. The Toy. Um, the what? Toy. Was that the Richard Pryor one? Yes. Yeah. Gene Wilder, I believe, yeah. was in that too. Yeah. Maybe not. No, I don't know. no, he, no he's, he's a... He's a black man that's hired by a rich oh, that's right. person to be, yeah, to be his kid's toy. friend. This yeah. is the one with Jackie Gleason is the rich guy. Yeah. Yeah. Holy crap. Jackie Which Gleason. I believe is a remake of a French film. It was called Le Toy? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So uh, so we're all fans of at least a couple few of Richard Donner's um, mm-hmm. pieces of direction. Oh, you didn't see if he did The Omen. Oh, I don't think he did. Uh, I think I would have noticed something like The Omen. Let anyway, me... anyway, it's very well directed. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a good episode. Yeah. Um, let's see. No Omen that I can find. So the setup is he's he's coming home from a sanitarium. Yes. And he his incident that got him in there was on a plane. Mm-hmm. And he's, so his wife is bringing him back on a plane. And uh, Which seems like a and good then idea. He starts seeing a, a gremlin out on the wing. Yep. As they're flying, and he's you, trying to convince. At first, he's trying to convince everyone that there's something out there, but everyone's like, yeah, "Okay, sure, 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 sure there is." Yeah. He did do the omen, by the way. There's a wing on the plane. There, there's a man <laughs> on the wing. <laughs> <laughs> so Richard Donner directed the omen, and he also directed some Kojak episodes in '73. Okay. Ooh, which ties well, to our well, next well, episode. Yes. But so let's not get ahead of ourselves. Sorry about that. <laughs> so, so, but the, the one thing I found curious was he's flying back from a sanitarium. Presumably, it's in country. Mm-hmm. This flight can't be that long. Yeah. But his wife takes sleeping pills. Yeah. If I was coming back with my spouse who freaked out on a plane and been put in a sanitarium, I wouldn't like spend the flight unconscious. <laughs> yeah. Why didn't they drive? Try and you know, catch up on your sleep when you get home. Yeah. Trains were nice back then. You take yeah. a train. <laughs> they were. Well, you know, I can understand, you know. There's a man on the side of the train. Getting, <laughs> getting back on the horse after you've been yeah. presumably cured. But, you know, don't go to sleep while your your beloved is dealing with it. 
anyway, that's well, it. That's, you know, that's my only quibble. It's not really a quibble. Well, yeah, it, it does seem a little outside of what a reasonable person would do. Um, he ends up sitting by the window. Yeah. Which turns out to not only be a window seat, but an emergency exit. Which yeah. I think at this point, it's like, um, honey, why don't you sit on the aisle? Or, hey, you, but they used to say stewardess. Stewardess, could you move us? <laughs> There's so many things have changed now. I know this was remade for the, the Twilight Zone movie. Right. It? That's With John I Lithgow. Yeah. yeah. But um, like you could remake it again. It'd be really different different enough because of all the new regulations. I mean, there's no smoking. How does a gremlin one. get through TSA? <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but this guy would be like, uh, you know, they tie him up and put him in cargo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Straight off, you know, before they got off the ground. Whoever the marshal was on the plane would quickly identify himself. <laughs> yeah. That that could be the way he gets the gun, though. I was just going to say, that's who he gets the gun yeah, from. Yeah, it'd, it'd be from an air marshal. Yeah. Played by Liam Neeson. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to do a voice. Okay. All right. So um, the other thing that happens that you wouldn't see happen today is he lights up a cigarette. Right. Oh, well, the no smoking sign is on. But when it shuts off, you can smoke. Just yeah. puff away. Oh, oh yeah. I remember planes back then. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, I never took a plane back then. Uh, I remember it was, they had, I, when I started flying, they had the non-smoking section by that time, but yeah, there like, was no divider or anything. Yeah. There's just, no, there's no plexiglass wall. Yeah. So it all floated around in the air. I mean, it circulates that air. Mm-hmm. So. And some people would just nervously smoke the whole time. Yeah. I don't miss that at all. <laughs> there was a, um, a trip I was on one time right after they made smoking kind of universally illegal on airplanes uh, it was a college trip to um, a journalism convention and this one woman was sitting with me and another student and uh, she was having a hard time because she couldn't smoke yeah. she was a very dedicated smoker hmm. and my prize to her for making it through the flight was I stole one of the little um, armrest ashtrays <laughs> <laughs> so she could have an ashtray wow yeah, they would just insert just like the ones yeah, in cars. Yeah, a little flip lid on them. Yeah. Um, so this whole thing that it's unfolding quickly, like you said, because it's only a you know twenty five minute episode. Mm-hmm. They allow for a commercial, and that's that's it. Uh, it seems like um, the wife points out that uh, you must be well, or Doctor Martin wouldn't let you fly, and. I don't know what kind of breakdown he had that he was put away for six months. But um, Bob assures the wife that everything's going to be all right. And I think maybe that's why she takes the sleeping pills. Because he said so. Hmm. It's going to be all right. Everything's going to be okay. You'll see. Personally, I wouldn't. (laughs) So there's a dude in a shaggy onesie on the wing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Do you like the way he kind of comes in as if on wires and floats away as if on wires? (laughs) Yeah, and obviously it's, uh, I don't know, about dealing with that costume he's wearing. And, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't want to laugh at it. It's not, I don't. I didn't laugh at it when I was watching it, but it, it's, yeah, we, I don't know I if, like a, that if a kid would, would be able to enjoy this episode now. Cause, cause Something about it's wet, matted fur. Yeah, <laughs> you could just smell that costume. Yeah, it was kind of creepy. Just like, ooh, man. It would smell like an old man's coat on a rainy day. He's going to get in here and he's going to shake. 
<laughs> just don't let him in. Yeah. Come on, Bob or Don or whatever your name is. <laughs> so uh, other than the fact that by today's standards, the costume is clunky. You know, we could be smug about that. We could be like the aliens and be all smug. The truth is, in its day, you know. It works, yeah. yeah. I can imagine being a kid seeing this late at night in the 60s. Especially when he opens you out. The, the little curtain and the, the face, face is right there in the yeah, window. Yeah, and he's got this kind of cleft lip thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Kind of like a Morlock. Yeah. He's got like this ogre nose kind of. He looks like one of the creatures from uh, Eye of the Beholder. I love that. Yeah. Probably the same sculptors, same FX people. You know, maybe gremlins do wear like fuzzy romper suits. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? Yeah. It's cold up He's, there. You know. I know three or four adults that own big fuzzy onesies that they... <laughs> they went to special conventions. Well, yeah. I've met some of them too. <laughs> no, people On who... Furry Road. <laughs> Mad Max, Furry Road. <laughs> There's a movie we should trademark. Yes. <laughs> Furry Road. I sat next Just to a brownie. A, uh, a mascot head and tied to the front of a truck or something. Anyway, uh, what did you? I sat next to a brony on an airplane coming back from Ooh. a horror con in Chicago. And uh, it was it was cool. It was kind of fun having a conversation with this guy because we both got back from conventions that were very, very different conventions. But um, he was a really tall dude, kind of big. And I offered him the aisle seat because I'm a nice guy. Uh-huh. And I noticed he had a My Little Pony t-shirt and phone case. So it didn't take long for the conversation to turn to My Little Pony. Uh. But I digress. Back to the episode. Um, so <laughs> there's, there's My Little Pony fan <laughs> on the wing. <laughs> there's a brony on the wing. Can't you see it? <laughs> All right. So this, this creature is um, hiding from view. Every time anybody else looks out there. So he's kind of like the frog from the Warner Brothers cartoons. Yeah. Yeah, they, they don't overplay it, but it, it makes him more malicious that he knows this one guy can see him. Right. Yeah. He's messing with him. Yeah. And he doesn't seem to really know how an airplane works, but he realizes that, oh, there's stuff in here that I can mess with. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's a junior gremlin. Yeah. He, he just looks like, oh, let's see what's in here. Yeah. This probably helps make this thing go, and I'm going to mess with it. Yeah. Yeah. So he peels the panel open. Now, in the movie with John Lithgow, or Lithgow, depending on how you want to pronounce it, mm-hmm. I think the gremlin is actually um, throwing pieces of metal into the jet engine, if I remember right. He's Something r- like that. Ripping yeah. pieces of sheet metal off and just winging it in there, and it's sparking and shooting mm-hmm. out. That was a good example of how you could take it. With, yeah. with better special effects. And as Jolien said, going forward, you could even go further with it. And if anyone listening to this, I doubt it. If anyone listening to this is going to make that, just don't CG the hell out of it. That's all I got to say. You could go they practical. They probably would. They, you know, you have a whole bunch of small ones. Yeah. Like, like the World War II ones were supposed to be. Yeah. So, um... What happens next? The guy uh, in the shaggy onesie. He opens the door. He has a gun. Yeah, this is after he the shoots face at him. Yeah, yeah, he nicks the gun off the. Is it a cop or an air marshal? Uh, would it be back then? I think it's an air marshal, but I don't know for sure. Okay. Yeah, some sort of marshal or traveling policeman, military guy. I didn't really notice. 
Um, I did notice it's Gold Star Airways, though. Mm. Gold Star. <laughs> yeah. That's quality. The mark of excellence. Gold Star Airways. Uh, he's been swearing there's, you know, a gremlin on the wing. He, he actually does say it's just like those guys from the war that, you know. Yeah, he talk- has trouble coming up with a name for them. I, I yeah. Know. But he finally does say gremlins. Yeah. And uh, he's very indignant when his wife is sort of um, calling him out on it. But like, but like Will said, eventually he just having spotted the gun and the wife having passed out from her sleeping pills, he just fakes like he drops something and grabs the gun and stalks back ready to do what he's got to do. He's buckled in. Yep. He's not going to get sucked out. Yep. Pops the door open, starts shooting upside down and maniacally. Mm -hmm. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. (laughs) He does look like he's lost his mind. Yeah. And then what, they cut to him being hauled away on the uh, gurney? Um, yeah. And... Was the plane damaged the, in this yes. one? The yeah. camera okay. pulls back as he's being loaded up, and you know that they don't know it yet, but the camera does show the damage. So yeah. they are going to see it, and they are going to say, oh, wait a minute, there yeah. was damage. Because mm-hmm. they make that reference in the film, I remember. Yeah. Look, there was something out here. Yeah. Because they're loading him into the... Into the ambulance. Into the padded ambulance. So and the driver says, you want to see something really scary? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that freaked me out when I was a kid. Did it? Yeah. The werewolf thing? Yeah. Oh, it's great. Twilight Zone movie would freak me out. I saw that in the theater. Really? Yeah. I'm that uh, old. I'm so old. Um, is that with Dan Aykroyd? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this episode, one of your favorites? Yeah, this is a good episode. Yeah, definitely. Definitely one of mine. I recommend this one highly. If you're only going to watch a small handful of them based on not just the style and the look and feel of it, but also the story. It really is. It really is kind of creepy. Have you seen any of the season four episodes of Twilight Zone when they were an hour? Um, I have seen a bunch of them. And what's weird is they didn't license them for Netflix. Yeah, I noticed. Yeah, they've got one, two, three and five. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess they were an hour long. Yeah. And there were a bunch that they did on video as well. Which look awful. Yeah. And they were stuck in one location. And we got we got a new television that's like super duper high def. Mm. So it tries to make everything look weird. Um, so you have to do some adjustments. Everything looks like a telenovela. Yeah. We watched a, a British cop show because that's what we watch. Luther? Uh, no, River. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lufa. A, a schizophrenic cop. Eh, it's okay. That's not <laughs> the reason I bring it up. It was so high def, it looked like it was computer generated. Oh, Like yeah. you could see every pore on this guy's face. Right. It looked kind of neat. I mean, there were some nice shots in this. <laughs> and the colors were great. But yeah, it, sometimes it was too high def. Well, you are I, freaking the, out, uh, man. Twilight Zones this, I saw this weekend, or, or, you know, they they were showing the like the remastered ones, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, they're they're so clean, crisp looking. Yeah, it just looks like you're, you know, they're just filming a stage play on. Yeah, my I, eyes I don't guess. see that sharp in real life, so no. it's really weird <laughs> watching something on a screen that's sharper than you can see. Yeah, it's I don't know it's that high frame rate. It's weird. Yeah, so you can reduce the frame rate. There's little sub menus in your TV. And we had to do that. Um, it's a great television. I'm mm-hmm. not complaining. 
And uh, so, did you see uh, when the Hobbit came out and they were showing it at forty-eight frames per second? No. Yeah, it looked very. Yeah, it just looked like an Australian play. soap. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's just weird. Yeah, we saw Elf on a high def TV like that, and it made it look so cheap and like it was just a Saturday Night Live skit or something. The strength is the flaw, isn't it? Yeah. It's so weird. Let's talk about the next one. Living okay. Doll. Living this doll. is a creepy one. Yeah, I accidentally, I, I was like, um, which one is the thing and which one's the other thing? And I accidentally Googled <laughs> Real Doll to uh, mm. get the images for this. <laughs> Warning to our audience, a real doll and the living doll are very, very different. Yeah. 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 There's a Cliff Richard song called Living Doll, uh, which is about an actual living girl. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, um, uh, and there's also a movie called Living Doll, which is uh, it's like a black comedy where it's where the girl, the fellow fancies is not actually alive. Uh, okay. Oh, interesting. She's not dead. She's just. She's dead. Oh, she's dead. Yeah. Oh, okay. Not just not alive in the way a mannequin's mm. not alive not living not doll <laughs> the unliving not doll rated r uh in a world okay this episode did you watch this one jolian yes were you familiar with telly savalas yes you were had you seen kojak uh i'd seen it was one of those cop shows that were on when i was really little uh-huh yeah. and uh i made the mistake one evening of saying uh, asking my mum and dad if I could stay up and just watch the first 10 minutes. I think it was it was either Kojak or Cannon or one of those. Uh-huh. And uh, because I like to see the crime at the start. Yeah. And they thought, oh, he's he's turned into an evil monster. You know, which I don't deny, but... Um, <laughs> and they bundled me off to bed. But the uh, what I couldn't articulate was those five minutes at the start of the show are the really cinematic bits. Yeah, right. Where they're doing the heist or whatever. It's the exciting bit. And then it's all like, Standing around a police station talking, which I wasn't interested in. Yeah, the procedural parts. Yeah, yeah, they're not. You know, I wasn't interested in that at the time. I wanted to see the action. I can see that. Yeah, the creative filmmaking bit at the start. Well, I would say that Telly Savalas definitely had a way about him. His persona came through really well. Yeah, he was a a huge star in in Britain. Yeah, he had that. He had that hit song. Was um, it Who Loves Your Baby? <laughs> no, what was it? That was his catchphrase uh, from Kojak. It was like a spoken word thing with this like really syrupy orchestral music behind him. You better look this up. What I think this? we had better oh, yeah. do that. I'm going to do that while on. we're talking. <laughs> it, it, yeah, sometime in the 70s, I suspect. Yeah. All right, I'm going to look this up while but you... Yeah, yeah and, you know, you, you've seen him in um, uh, Mario Barber films and, mm-hmm. uh, and he was in Kelly's Heroes and... Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. He was just uh, just fun to watch on the screen. Even, yeah, yeah. Even his character in this being such a jerk, it was still kind of fun oh, to watch. Oh, yeah, him. he's great as a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you, you wonder what the backstory is because uh, the situation is you have this, uh, there's this young woman and her daughter and she's gotten married to Talisavalis and he he seems to resent having the daughter around. Yeah. And it doesn't explain the backstory, which is kind of cool. Yeah. But you wonder what what situation she's been in to get her in, you know, into a marriage with him. Yeah. Right. So it's uh, it's a uh, not a great situation to start with. Maybe then, the daughter wasn't living with them at first. Maybe she was with the dad. Yeah, she just re- revealed the daughter when. Yeah. After the marriage. Was the song called "If"? 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, it's a classic. You yes. gotta hear it. Yes. Okay. All right. I'm I've, I'm gonna leave that page open on my phone, and maybe we'll <laughs> we'll put in a, a few bars of if if at the end of the show because it is it's the last thing we're talking about. So yeah, he's um. So he's the, a jerk. He's a jerk. Um, the mom and the daughter have come home from a shopping spree where they have all these packages. Now, I forgot to mention this when we were talking about Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. People used to get dressed in actual clothes to leave the house, especially if they were going shopping or going to uh, fly on an airplane or ride on a train. They would actually put on, you know, women would wear a dress, men would wear a suit. Uh, so this woman's come back from shopping and they're actually dressed up and the packages are actually wrapped. Yeah. Wow. What a world. <laughs> there was more racism, but people dressed up. I don't know. Maybe there's more racism now. Uh, Let's not talk about politics. I'd uh, swap, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to take uh, sweatpants for less more equality and less right. racism. Sweatpants for equality. That's awesome. I, you know, <laughs> if it has to be those, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with the sweatpants then. Yeah. It's something about the comfortable <laughs> pants that make people less mean. <laughs> Maybe that's it. <laughs> so, uh, so mom pants and- are so tight. <laughs> uh, okay, so mom and and, and daughter uh, Christy. You notice, you notice the uh, mother's name is Annabella. I did notice this. Might that be a Annabelle? Annabelle. Uh, reference to that. That uh, evil doll. I think the evil doll thing borrowed that name from The Conjuring. It's it's got to be a wink, yeah, and or a nod, yeah. Um, that that movie's like it's got so many references to. I mean, amongst the Mario Bava movies, you've got the bouncing ball thing, right? Which turned up yet again in We Are Still Here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and not far into the movie either. When you're watching a movie and like. 10 minutes in you're you're yelling oh come on at the screen <laughs> <laughs> and, you know you just know it's not bouncing ball yeah you know that someone's in a basement or something and, and, and a ball, ball comes bouncing down, down the stairs oh. from out of nowhere yeah or, or it rolls out at the end of a hallway or yeah know, whatever the case yeah kill baby kill mario barber what year 67 well before the shining Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And the changeling. And and the conjuring. Every damn thing else. (laughs) Now, reluctantly, back to the episode. um, No, no, no. It's it's good. It is a good one. Um, It's more fun to kind of sidetrack and talk about that stuff sometimes, though. And the writer's Charles Beaumont, who's another great fiction writer. He wrote a lot of these episodes, I noticed. Um, This one in particular... uh, it does take place mostly, you know, just inside the house. There's only that one scene really outside, I think, when they're mm. heading in. Um, this character, Eric, Eric Strader, is, uh, I think he's just a jerk on a good day, no matter what. <laughs> you know, he's just a jerk. And I don't, and like you said, I don't know how she ended up with him. Maybe he put up a good front. Uh, maybe he just turned that jerky when there was a, you know, a young daughter introduced into the scene. But it didn't seem like there was a dad out there that she was going to belong to. It seems like maybe he's dead out of the picture mm. in any event. Um, so she's going to tend to spoil the daughter a little bit. And it looks like maybe Eric makes good money because she mentions that she put it on the account. Like, don't worry about it. I put it on the account. Uh-huh. Like at the department store, you would have an account. And someone would write it in a ledger book on paper while they're wearing a suit. 
those were those days. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's so, uh, and you would get a carbon copy of it maybe. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 um, the dad character here, the stepdad is angry and the wife kicks back with this uh, remark. I, th- I don't think it's the price of the doll that's upsetting you. And he lashes out at the daughter and uh, he even inspects this doll, which says when they're not in the room, I'm talky Tina and I don't think I like you, mm. which is great because this doll is lipping off at him every time everyone else is out of the room it escalates one of the things i liked uh, about it um so often in horror movies when they have a creepy doll mm-hmm. they have to make the doll look creepy right they have to like like distort it and stuff like that but actual creepy dolls are just they don't change yeah, yeah. they look normal There's and they don't something creepy about it it's the uncanny valley sort of thing right mm-hmm. yeah you don't need to put scars and evil grins and things on them now, do you both know about the who did the voice? No, who did the it was voice? June Foray, who oh. was the voice of Rocky the Flying Squirrel, yeah. and about a million other voices. Um, she actually did some voiceover work, I think, for some of the young boys in some of the other Twilight Zone episodes when they had to do some. Uh, uh, what do they call that? ADR. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think she did some ADR work for some of the young boy parts. Oh, that, that didn't sound good for some of the mm. parts played by young boys where the voice didn't quite <laughs> line up. She liked young boy parts. <laughs> Will's expression right now. <laughs> we need He's a got camera. images in his head that he doesn't want to be there. Uh, not to put words together good. Um, okay, after the intro. Again? Again. <laughs> uh, nothing up my sleeve. Okay, after the intro, um, which it looks like it cuts to commercial or Rod Serling says his Rod Serling stuff, um, Taki Tina says, I think I could even hate you. He throws the doll across the room and then she says, I'm Taki Tina and you'll be sorry. Yeah. So she, it, it's escalating little by little. I don't mm-hmm. think I like you. I think I hate you. You'll be sorry. Right. I mean, if you if you read them all like in a row, it just gets worse and worse. Like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> it yeah. finally comes out of her mouth. Um, so there's some exposition in the conversation about the marriage situation. Um, basically, he doesn't love this stepdaughter. I don't know why. He, this, this is evidence that he's a real jerk because this little girl is really sweet. Yeah, yeah. And she calls him daddy and she's not doing anything wrong. She's not... She's not even precocious. Certainly not bratty. So uh, he's just a bad person. Maybe that's why he doesn't like her. She should be precocious and bratty. <laughs> You'd be like, that's more like it, uh-huh. baby. We'll get into more hijinks, right. wackiness. Why don't you break something like a normal girl? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the <laughs> after dinner, Eric has a full back and forth with Taki Tina. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he he's really good because like it, it's not a long story, but you can see that his he's breaking up. Yeah, yeah, he he goes pretty nuts. He even accuses Annabelle, the wife, of putting walkie-talkies in the doll, which uh, he admits he doesn't really know much about how modern stuff works. Yeah, and telephones and walkie-talkies, dolls, and dolls <laughs> with with wind-up keys on the back of them, but. Um, you could tell by the way she looks at him, she thinks he's losing it. Mm-hmm. And he is. 
I think this murdering doll <laughs> it's driving him crazy. Uh, so he goes out to the garage and puts Tina in a trash can. Um, this seems reasonable. Contain the doll. You know, she can't get out of there, right? She then, gets out. The next day, the daughter can't find the doll, and Eric is being even more of a dick. And the mom takes her upstairs, and the phone rings, and Tina's calling him on the phone. Right. I don't know how she did this, but it was awesome. Yes. <laughs> And this is when she finally says, I'm talking Tina and I'm going to kill you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, you could tell by the way it fades out that it cuts to a commercial. Mm-hmm. Okay. So back in the 60s, everybody was like, oh, shit. And then, you know, they did commercials for, I don't know, there were tap dancing cigarettes and yeah. <laughs> new laundry detergents that you should use to get your shirts whiter and brighter. And then, you know, a little time for that to sink in. Mm-hmm. So Telly Savalas, you know, he's... He's delivering the goods here. So back from commercial, apparently, uh, he goes out to the trash can and the doll is gone. And he starts accusing his wife of this phone trickery. And she clearly thinks he's losing his mind at this point, the way she's looking at him. This is kind of the point in the story where the main character is in doubt by the person who should trust them and believe them the most. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. that's kind of a common thing in the Twilight Zone episodes. Kind of like uh, Nightmare 20,000 Feet. You know, this this is like, oh, come on now. There's no way. There's not a dude in the wing. This doll isn't talking. All that no. stuff. Yeah. He heads upstairs and the doll is in bed with Christy. The doll warns Eric, I told you you'd be sorry. And then starts waking Christy up, calling her name. Do you remember that part? Mm-hmm. It's like, Christy, Christy, wake up. i liked that part that uh he takes the doll away and the daughter's crying and calling her calling him daddy and he actually says to her i'm not your daddy which yeah he like frame by frame he's just more of a (laughs) dick through this whole episode (laughs) she just wants to be a good kid and have her doll and he just wants to be a jerk (laughs) He puts the doll in a vice down in the garage. Mm-hmm. And what did you think of this scene? Mm-hmm. Did it remind you of anything? Um, I don't know. Casino? That's what I was thinking. <laughs> like, did Casino totally borrow this from Talkie Tina? Probably. <laughs> Except for Talkie Tina's eyeball doesn't pop out. No. <laughs> Greg Nicotero did the uh, effects for that, by the way. Oh. And he called up his dad, who's a doctor, and asked him, hey, if you put someone's head in a vice with their <laughs> eye pop out, and his dad admitted to himself, I don't know. So we just no. got back to him. Yeah, totally. That would happen. <laughs> and that's why it happens <laughs> hey, in the movie. Hey, what makes a better film? <laughs> right. That's the question you should ask yourself. Yeah. What makes better television? What makes a better film? And if they did it in Friday the 13th Part 3, then I think everyone should take it as fact. Yeah. Yes. That movie, that documentary. <laughs> well, when Eric has got the doll's head in the vice, he's saying, die. And she says, you'll die. And basically, uh, at this point, she says to him, I can take it if you can. His torch won't work. Um, he has like some sort of a radial arm saw with a grinder. Oh, that's right. The yeah. grinder blade. He's trying to cut the head off. That thing's just sparking and it won't cut. It doesn't even leave a mark. Yeah. So Taki Tina's basically able to defy uh, physics and mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that she does, which 
hints at the fact that there's something really supernatural going on here. This can't possibly all be in his head, right? Well, it might be. It might be. Yeah, I guess he could be imagining doing this stuff and not really doing it. Yeah. Um, he finally puts Tina in a sack and ties some string around the neck and puts her in the can and puts bricks on top of it. Because mm-hmm. that'll stop her. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes back to the wife who's upstairs packing her bags. A very famous theme in the 50s and 60s. You know, someone's packing a bag, they're going to leave you. Yep. She says she thinks it's hatred. And he says it's just the doll. And he offers to give Tina back to Christy. And uh, he goes he goes down to get her out of the trash can. And she says, I don't forgive you. Mm. So now Tina's done. She's going to finish him. Yep. He hands the doll back to the daughter. And... Uh, I don't think the wife's going to forgive him either. I think she's going to just either finish packing that bag or pack it another time. I don't think there's really any saving this relationship. Mm-hmm. And um, later on, he, um, after he's handed over the doll and everyone's gone to bed, he can hear some gears moving. And he tells his wife, and he's in this, did you notice this? This is the 60s, of course. Married couples sleep in separate beds. Yeah. yeah. Even the cartoon characters slept in separate beds. The Flintstones. <laughs> hey, I sleep in a separate bed. We have twin beds like that. It's fantastic. <laughs> Do you keep one foot on the floor, each of you? We could. <laughs> but he's in like a single bed, literally. like a. Yeah. It's yeah, like, no, totally. It's like two feet wide. Yeah. James Thurber's parents sleep in separate rooms. Yeah, like everybody back then. Yeah, even uh, separate rooms. I heard of a couple that bought the house next door, and he moved, <laughs> the husband moved over there. It's like the same house. Oh, that's weird. And like, you know, track housing from years and years ago. But basically, yeah, they each have their own home, but they're still married. They've been married for 40-some years. It's the secret to a successful marriage. It is. Identical houses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On other sides of town. So Eric creeps out because... He heard something. He tells his wife, I, I heard something. He creeps out to check it out. And um, I noticed this, and I don't know if you did. Um, the shadow from the window frame puts like a crosshair on him uh, mm-hmm. when he's in the bedroom checking out to see if the doll is in bed with the daughter, which it's not. BT dubs. It's not in there. He turns to go out and do some further inspection, and the doll is at the top of the stairs, near the top of the stairs. He starts to kind of walk downstairs to check things out, steps on the doll, tumbles down the stairs to his death, a la Psycho. The end. Sort of. Ah, <laughs> oh, then there's the punchline. The zinger. Go ahead, Jolien. You remember this All one? Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh. The, What's the thing? Well, the well, the daughter, the the um, the uh, wife, you know, runs up to him, and uh, obviously he's dead, and. Uh, Talky Tina looks up at the wife and says, I'm Talky Tina and you better be nice to me. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, that's a good one. I was thinking they lived happily ever after. Yeah. They got rid of this total jerk. Now the doll runs the show. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Next thing you know, she's going to start being mean to the little girl. Then Maybe. What? What, what does this doll want? <laughs> Other than rid of Eric, what does the doll want? Power. Power. <laughs> Power. Is it the psychic anger of the daughter? Oh, maybe, maybe it is. I didn't even think of that. I just thought the doll was autonomous. Just one of your everyday evil dolls, you know. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if 
the doll could like ride around in the car. <laughs> that would be great. Maybe just a toy car. Yeah. Like toy a, car. a miniature version, like a Barbie version of yeah. the car. Yeah, people yeah. get their ankles really bashed. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that really hurts. Some sharp edges. Why did you do that? <laughs> it's the work of George Barris. So is this um is this one that you would recommend? Yep. Sure. Why not? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> did you get the creepy moments? Oh yeah, for this, real. This one's yeah. Kind of I thought creepy. this was creepy. There, there was a there was a dummy episode of Outer Limits as well, but I thought this one was better. Yeah, yeah. This I think this is one of the better ones. It's pretty memorable. There's quite a few. So have you thought of anything that we could do for next episode? Well, when do you want to do the voodoo one? The voodoo one, I think we were going to do in. I have to wait till Eugenia gets back from Haiti. Yeah. Uh, which, <laughs> which, when does she return? Uh, the 19th, but we'll probably have to, I don't know what day that so is. So maybe first week of February? Yeah, something like that. When is Fat Tuesday? Because there's, there's definitely a voodoo tie into um, New Orleans. It's 40 days. March. 41 days before Easter. <laughs> that doesn't help. <laughs> when is Easter? You have to base that on the moon. Oh, no. This is getting uh, worse. <laughs> Math and moons. Math and moons. It's well, a lunar schedule there i believe it's like the first or second tuesday in february maybe we could it could be any of those days i mean it is literally 41 days before easter so here's what we should do we should record uh that episode to be released for fat tuesday okay let's do that so it'll probably be early february when we record it sure then we'll we'll have that covered yeah what about for next time any any favorites anything newer you want to talk about? Um, so if you can think of really recent horror movies. I mean, yeah, let's pick something new. There's not many good ones, but Did uh, you, um, I thought It Follows was good. I was going to say, I haven't watched that yet. I plan to. Uh, any other ones that are new? The Krampus? The Krampus. Let's go watch that again. <laughs> it's probably at the Dollar Theater now. It's at the Dollar Store. They're showing it at Family Dollar. <laughs> Free Krampus with every purchase of expired baked goods. Well, we'll find a movie and, and decide. Yeah. Um, maybe something none of us have seen. Okay. Well, I know that coming good. out um, this week, Bone Tomahawk, Green Inferno, yeah. Deathgasm. Yeah. Um, there's going to be a Blu-ray of Serpent and the Rainbow coming oh, out yeah. January 26th. Mm. I've got a regular DVD copy of that. <clears throat> I think I've got a couple of those coming through, you know, rentals and libraries. But oh yeah, mm. I'm kind of curious about Green Inferno. Yeah, I was really curious about that. Like, how much is it going to be? Cannibal Holocaust 2.0. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. those movies you just could not do now. Right. So, the idea of making another one, it's how are they going to do that? Exactly. Well, let's uh, let's do this outro thing where we say thank you again to the Moon Rays for intro creature features at the top of the show. You can find them at themoon-rays.com or buy their music on iTunes or Amazon. And dear listeners, please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or whatever service you use for your podcast listening. And until next time, and we'll warn you what we do come up with, what we're going to watch. But until next time, thank you for listening. Bye. 
if a picture paints a thousand words, then why can't I paint you? The words will never show the you I've come to know. Yeah.